The Athletic. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. They've had their warning. They've had their warning. Here's Lucy Bronze. That is remarkable from Arsenal. Kirby with the ball up towards Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Now. Coming up on Halloween, Chelsea terrorise Manchester City. (laughs) All hope lost for Brighton as Arsenal make it to Wembley. And did England beat Latvia by too many goals? Joining myself, Kate Borsey, it's Lindsay Hooper and former Spurs legend Jenna Scalacci. Hi Jenna, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. It's great to have you on, Jenna. I'm trying to get up to speed with what you've been doing since retiring, because this all happened in lockdown. Tell us where you're at now. Yeah, so um, I retired last July now, and it's absolutely flown by, really. Um, Been busy ever since. Um, I'm now working full time with the club um, within their women's setup. Um, So I'm coaching an under-19s girls college program that's linked to the club and then also working with our academy team so given the way that women's football's going and how how much it's blowing up every season Mm. it's a really excited time now to be on the other side and seeing what the future holds there seem to be some good vibes coming out of spurs at the moment a really decent start to the season jenna yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've, they've got off to an absolute flyer and I think Rianne's really got her her DNA into the team now. I think she's had a, a good summer of pre-season, um, recruited really well, brought some experienced international players in and, and players that have already played in the WSL as well as some exciting young talent. Um, and they, she's brought this organisation and resilience very hard to beat are beating teams now above them that in previous seasons they never really did so they're really kicking on this season and I think if if someone was to say that they were currently sitting third in the table at this stage of the season you you might not have believed it at the beginning of the season so it's credit to Rianne and her coaching team and obviously all the players it's it's an exciting time around around the club at the moment. I'm glad that you've reminded us that Spurs are third in the table because this international break seems so long. I've forgotten where everyone is. But we will we will get our heads around that again. Yeah. I feel like I've been missing uh, for ages as well. But we have got some football to take in and, of course, plenty to preview as well. Should we start with last season's FA Cup? So bear in mind this started two months after you retired. Uh, so September 2020 is where last season's FA Cup started. And it's still going on. Uh, on the weekend, we were treated to the semi-finals. You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Let's start then with Manchester City nil, Chelsea three. Had the pack sat huddled in the stands been available for Manchester City, the result could have been quite different. But with Steph Horton, Lucy Bronze, Ellie Roebuck, Chloe Kelly, Georgia Stanway, all sat clutching a hot water bottle. That's what it looked like anyway. Uh, as Chelsea's Erin Cuthbert, Melanie Leopold and Beth England booked their side a place in the FA Cup final at Wembley on the 5th of December. It leaves us with that question as to how depleted Manchester City were, Jenna, and maybe it was always going to be one-sided with the injuries that they've got at the moment but overall what was your impression of the match? I mean they're going Man City are just having an absolute mare at the moment aren't they? I think they've been so unlucky with their injuries I think 
it was expected. I expected Chelsea to to come away with the points, but I think uh, conceding so early on and and kind of very soft goals. I think they would have been very disappointed at half time. But I think come the second half, they they improved, but it was a bit too late then. I felt the game was lost in the first half for for Man City, unfortunately. Yeah, it's like a huge monk on your back, isn't it? This this injury situation at City, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better any sooner, really, although a few players have come back. But they've got this awful situation in goal as well, Lindsay. They're playing with Taib, who's their third choice keeper, actually. Uh, they've got their young prospect, Kiara Keating, also out with an elbow issue. So a 16-year-old, Grace Pilling, uh, was on the bench for City. In fact, City's bench was much, much depleted, many, many fewer players than on Chelsea's bench bench and actually Taib well she did concede two soft goals I think I agree with you there Jenna but she did redeem herself in the second half but the damage had really been done in the first half by Chelsea yeah I mean that the first one I thought being beat at the near post it was a great effort from Cuthbert but she should never have been scoring there from that angle and the second one as well I just think her foot she was a bit caught um with flat feet and and couldn't get the movement in her feet across to make the save but she did make some great saves after that but like I said before when you get yourself in a position where you're chasing the lead from so early on against a quality team like Chelsea it's a massive massive hill to climb and I feel for her because she's a standing goalkeeper and you know that must have knocked her confidence but full credit to her to keep going for the rest of the game but yeah for me it was lost too early on for them to ever get a chance to to get back in the game. Jenna, we know how much confidence is worth in the game and mentality. Um, it, it can be like a 12th player. And in this tie, I think what you saw was two teams at opposite ends of the spectrum right now when it came to that element. So Chelsea, who have been on great form, came with lots of bags of confidence, know that rotating the squad's been working, everyone's getting a bit of their time, wanting to prove themselves. And there are certain things, not only with Taib's performance, which I think lacked a bit of confidence with the back, I think perhaps defensively with so many players that have been out that they look a bit frail, Manchester City. But let's look at the front two here, Jenna, because we had Bunny Shaw for once playing alongside Ellen White, which on paper should be this brilliant combination, but it just wasn't working in this game. They seemed to get in each other's way, not read what each other was going to do. And really, when you look at how long Gareth Taylor's had players out in training, I find it quite startling, really, that they haven't been able to develop more of an understanding yet. Yeah, absolutely. I think it comes down to that, the game understanding. It was clear at the weekend that they, they haven't built those connections and relationships on the pitch yet. I think you can work in training, but it never really truly reflects being in a game situation. And and I think part of that is maybe confidence as well. You know, if they're not playing regularly together each weekend, these um, relationships, they do take time to build and, and Man City don't really have that time. Um, and it was evident at the weekend, you know, as you say, they were making the same runs, getting in each other's ways. And, you know, hopefully the more time they do start on the pitch together, the, the better we'll see those relationships become. Just in for City in defence, worth noting that Ruby Mace and Alana Kennedy were both cup-tied, so that didn't help the situation. I noticed that uh, Lauren Hemp was pretty isolated, and and sort of here's where you can expose Chelsea, Jenna. I'm not sure if if you agree with this, but because Emma didn't get her defensive signing in the summer, they're playing with this back three, which means that often the two on either side of the central defender are often pushed out a little bit and there are pockets of space there to expose. You'd have thought with Jess Carter at right wing back in this game, that would mean 
that Lauren Hemp, especially because she's a very physical, strong player, was going to benefit from that. But the problem was there was no middle point between trying to get past Jess Carter and then trying to provide for Lauren Hemp. She was isolated at times. So I thought, you know, as well as this big injury issue that City have got, I think Gareth Taylor could have tactically played it better. He should have understood that Chelsea, you know, aren't the 100% complete team this season. They do have frailties in defence. It's not a secret. You know, teams like Wolfsburg exposed that in the Champions League. Juventus, to a certain extent, too, for their goal, although obviously Chelsea ended up winning that one. So, you know, tactically, I think Gareth Taylor's got got to kind of own this a little bit better as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, right from the start of the season in the Arsenal-Chelsea match, Arsenal highlighted that. That's how they got their goals in between those spaces and the pacing behind the back. And yeah, like you say, I think it's been a few times now. Tactically, Man City have got it wrong. For me, it seems like they they have one way of playing and and, and they like to stick to it. But obviously, in, in a league like the WSL, you have to have a plan A, B and C because it's not always going to work for you and you have to adapt on the pitch to what's going on in front of you. But I think I absolutely agree. I mean, a hemp versus Carter in a foot race, hemp's going to win that all day. She's got, um, you know, she's for such a young girl, she's got a lot of responsibility on her shoulders now, you know, being one of the key players for Man City, but you know, she can't do it alone. She needs that support. She needs when she has got the ball, she does need options. Yeah, isn't isn't that the issue that the other players need to take some of that responsibility yes. away from her? Because yes. we've seen so many times the fact that Lauren Hemp has been the outlet. It's not difficult for teams. And when we're going into another WSL weekend, I'm sure all the prep going into this will be, if you're facing Manchester City at the moment, is keep her quiet. You know, you can even afford to put two on her because there isn't really anyone else offering themselves up as much. But if you're Gareth Taylor, you've got to make sure Lauren Hemp is supported and provided to. And then we all know what she's capable of, whether that's scoring goals or those brilliant crosses that she can make from the wings. It just it just feels to me like that was an obvious thing for him to do. I mean, you know, Gareth Taylor saying after the game that the team had let themselves down in the first half, their injury situation. I mean, overall, it's going to take a while for it to get better. There are sort of players coming back, Vicky Lasada's back, and obviously both Ruby Mason and Alana Kennedy won't be cup-tied the next time City play, but they've really got to start turning it around. I mean, otherwise, do you feel that Gareth Taylor could be the next WSL manager to go, Jenna? I feel given the, the budget that obviously Man City have compared to other teams, you expect them to do better. I know they've been hit by a lot. I mean, been so unfortunate with the the injuries that they have got. Um, They're missing a lot of their leaders. But for me, it's not an excuse. I think, you know, you've hit the nail on the head. It seems like hemp is their only option out. But teams will spend a week preparing for a match against Man City. and, And like you say, they will know that she's the outlet. So they will double up. So that's when another option needs to be in place for those players when they do go on the pitch. So it's not just Hemp all the time, you know, because Hemp, she's, she's, she's absolutely fantastic, but she can't, she can't deal with three players marking her. Um, so, yeah, for me, I think it's, um, you know, the manager makes the decisions. The manager has the week to prepare for these fixtures. So I think, yeah, he needs to take a bit of responsibility. And I think that they need some results very soon or else it could be a, a time for Gareth to go. Let's move on to the other semi-final and cover that one. It was another 3-0 scoreline. Arsenal 3, Brighton 0. 
And it has set up a London Derby FA Cup final at Wembley. Jonas Eideval said the only time he's ever come close to Wembley was when he had tickets to see Adele. Lucky him if he had tickets for Adele. It's difficult to get those. But then couldn't make it. Um, He says he's definitely going to go this time. Kim Little, Beth Mead and Leah Williamson were the goal scorers on this occasion. And he's got lots of different outlets for goals at the moment. I think, first of all, let's focus on the the first 45 minutes, Jenna, because Brighton gave a really good account of themselves for that first 45. Yeah, I mean, they've, uh, for me, uh, I've watched Brighton quite a lot this season and I think they're, they're a really solid team and they're really kicking on this season. I think the first half, you know, they, they, they were really together on that pitch. Players were putting their bodies on the line. They were... They were very compact, defending for their lives, goal line clearances. They made it really, really difficult for Arsenal. I think they frustrated them. Arsenal didn't really have that many clear-cut chances. Uh, They were throwing their bodies everywhere. When they were getting the ball up to Dan Carter, though, that's where they couldn't really make it stick. Uh, The transition was too quick. She wasn't getting enough support. And I think when you do defend for your lives for for, for 45 minutes, it is hard to, you know, then get yourself up to support the the lone striker up there but no first half I thought Brighton did very very well and you know second I imagine they would have gone into that change room very happy and and wanting to to kick on in that second half but it didn't just go to plan yeah Ida Val saying after the game that Brighton had changed from pressing in a 4-4-2 to more of a 4-5-1 during the first half and that then allowed Arsenal to put an attacking midfield a little bit higher up and the first two goals he said were a consequence of that but I think we do need to as you suggest Jenna celebrate Brighton you know last season they took points off Manchester United and Chelsea this season uh, equally is going well for them let's remember that Arsenal are the top scorers in the league as well so it takes something they had 64% possession in the first half Arsenal nine shots to Brighton's two six corners to Brighton's none and at 45 minutes the game was goalless so you know fair play to Brighton for that but perhaps they basically shouldn't have made that tactical change or maybe they you know could only hold out for so long unfortunately for Brighton uh, it's disappointing once the first goal going went in sorry I think Arsenal just stepped it up a gear and you know that overload on the left hand side was so effective and when you've got Mead running at you full of confidence um, she was causing all sorts of problems on the day what do you mm. think of Mead Mark II? Angry Mead. <laughs> I love her. She I was. She's she's just got she's just got something else. She's found something else this season. You know, in this game, scored one, sets up the other two. So purposeful. I, I yeah, Jenna, far away. I, I just think like what a role model for any young player that, you know, might have been knocked back in their career. I mean, she obviously has made no um secret that what happened to her in the summer affected her. But then you've got two type of players. You've got a player who could, you know, blame other people or, you know, let it, you know, really get them down. But for her, it, you know, she looked at herself. She, she used that time really wisely. She worked on, you know, maybe her weaknesses or what she felt she had to work on. And she's come out of the blocks flying, point to prove she's proven everybody wrong. And, you know, she's so full of confidence. She's playing with a smile on her face. Every time she's got that ball, you just feel like something's going to happen, whether it be an assist. I was looking at her stats earlier. They're incredible for how many games she's played this season. She's assisting, she's scoring. Yeah, those two World Cup qualifying games as well. You know, the goal, well, the hat-trick against Northern Ireland and the goal in the game against Latvia as well. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely awesome. And, and you know, that uh, Idabel was able to rest... Viv Miedemar, Tobin Heath and Lotta Wuben Moy for this as well. So they, yeah, Arsenal still, still incredibly exciting. And that, and that sets us up, Lindsay, doesn't it? For 
as you yes. say, a, a London derby, but but a, but a really exciting final this on the 5th of December, which is the 100th anniversary of the ban on women's football as well. I don't think anyone can call this one. Um, it's really difficult because I, I think obviously Arsenal have been so good in the league, but I would never over the course of a final rule Chelsea out at the moment because they will have the bit between their teeth. They'll they'll look back on the earlier defeat at the start of the season as well to Arsenal that kicked off the WSL season and think, right, this is this is our chance to show that we can also have an edge here. Um, I think it will be brilliant and it and it will come down a lot to the tactics of both managers. So let's have a Jonas versus Emma showdown. I think that will be what everybody wants to see. Yeah, I mean, she'll obviously have in the back of her. She probably won't admit it, but that first game of the season. But I'm not sure we can take too much from that. It was so early on, you know. I think Chelsea are in a different place now. We have to remind ourselves there was no, there was no Kerr or Kirby. Yes, yes. remember? Yeah. yeah so with yeah. them back, what what is that going to look like? Absolutely, it's going to be a, a great battle. I think it's going to be an excellent spectacle for for the women's game. It's going to be incredible at Wembley. They can pack that out. Fantastic, and I think. Just watching Arsenal this season and and the play they're attacking players and how fast and how they press. I just wonder if they might have the edge on the defensive line yeah, of Chelsea. I think so too. Earlier. I think so too. They they both got really really strong benches. Um, look, I'm planning to take my six year old for his seventh birthday and oh. all his mates. Uh, and actually, just kind of a quick plug. It would be lovely to fill out Wembley. You know, it's been a while since we've had a really big occasion within the domestic game. Obviously, the Northern Ireland game was at Wembley as well, wasn't it? But yeah, it'd be really nice. I, th- I think the last time I looked, adults were, I think, £10 and kids were a pound. So it's, it is a great excuse to visit Wembley. You're listening to The Athletic Women's Football Podcast. If you're not yet a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get a third off a subscription right now by heading to theathletic.com forward slash WSL pod. Well, many of the players involved in those FA Cup semi-finals were coming back from an international break. England's final match, certainly for this international period uh, in World Cup qualifying, was uh, a very convincing 10-0 victory against Latvia. Uh, the goals were ten a penny. Producer Sophie's written, "Ha ha! I should have just read that out, really, shouldn't I?" Uh, they lit up Latvia, the Lionesses, with a hat trick for Ella Toon on her sixth cap. Six more goal scorers in Ellen White, Millie Bright, Beth Mead, Rachel Daly, Leah Williamson, and Georgia Stanway. This means England's one hundred percent record in the World Cup qualifiers continues. Clearly, really nice to win. Good game for England, Jenna. But as Emma Hayes and Jonas Edeval have both said, um, you know, football's in danger of getting boring when it's such a one-sided affair. Yeah, and I think, you know, you know, for a side like England, they want to be tested. Uh, a new manager in wants to see what our players can do um, in competitive games. And unfortunately, they haven't really, you know, the Northern Ireland game was competitive, but the Latvia one... You can't really take much from it. I don't imagine she would have done a lot after the match, looking back at that match, because, you know, you've got players playing in false positions. I think at one time we only had one one defender. So you can't really take a lot from that. And I, I believe teams like Latvia deserve the opportunity, but the, the, the gap is just so, so big, you know, and especially football in, in this country and the investment the gap's only getting bigger and, you know, like Emma Hayes has said, that's down to FIFA to, to, to close that gap and give the countries that haven't got that support a lot more. They deserve a lot more and so does the women's game. 
Does that mean, Jenna, as well now, the spotlight really is on this mini tournament, this mini home tournament that's effectively replaced the She Believes Cup? It will be just in the new year, won't it? And the quality there is much higher. There's rumours that the final team in that competition are going to be Canada, which if that's confirmed will be brilliant for England because otherwise, where are they getting that real test? And also, when it comes to that competition, are we then going to see the preferred starting eleven from Serena Wiegmann because of the the level of that quality? Yeah, definitely. I think it's 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 great that that this is happening before the big summer ahead, and it will be a definitely a time for the manager to you know take a deeper look at her players, try different formations. Games will be a lot more competitive, you know. Teams will ask questions of England. Um, you know, I don't think they've conceded many goals recently. So, you know, reactions of if they do go down, how will they react? The leaders, showing mm. the leaders on the pitch and trying players out in different positions. I think I think it's definitely needed uh, be- before the summer. Um, and it will, it will tell uh, the manager a lot more about her team than she's already seen. Well, in the other World Cup qualifiers for the home nations, Northern Ireland drew 2 all with Austria, who equalised in stoppage time. The Northern Ireland goals from Demi Vance and Lauren Wade. Uh, Wales as well were in action. They beat Estonia 4-0. Goals for Anne Harrod-James, Helen Ward. They are defying their years, those two. Uh, mm. Natasha Harding yeah. as well and Equally. Sophie Ingle. <laughs> yeah. And in their friendly, Scotland lost 2-0 to Sweden. The second goal, an own goal by Sophie Howard. What is it with Sweden and own goals, eh? That's how they won against the Republic of Ireland in their last match. Sticking with international matters, uh, the Euro 2022 draw was made with a lot of fanfare and A-list celebs. <laughs> that was bling, wasn't it? Proper it was bling. really bling. Um, like a great night out. <laughs> I got a message from a few people saying, are you going to be there? And I was thinking, <laughs> I've missed, this is the hot ticket in town and I am not invited. That is where we were. Of the home nations, only England and Northern Ireland qualified for Euro 2022 in the end. And it was inevitable. They're going to face each other. We've just seen them face each other, but they will be in the same group again for what is going to be a really interesting affair. I would say England have looked out here, Jenna, would you? Yeah, I mean, looking at the the other groups, I would definitely have to agree. You know, I think they'll be looking to finish top of that group. I think anything less they'll be disappointed with. Norway, of course, uh, we've got a history with as well. We've beaten them in the knockout phase of the past two World Cups. So you're right about this looking hopeful. What about the group of death? So what happens if we if we make it out of our group? Uh, we're going to play someone from Group B, otherwise known as a group of death now, Jenna. Germany, Spain, Denmark and Finland. Yeah. Uh, so mm. that'll be the first really big test for England. You feel sorry for Finland at all because they are the team that effectively are there at the expense of Scotland, aren't they? Uh, Scotland would have been in for a right rollicking if they'd have been in that group. But I mean, if you're if you're the Finnish coach right now and you're seeing that group of death, um, I guess all pressure's off. They just go and they enjoy themselves. themselves, I reckon that's the underdog, don't they? Yeah. Uh, Group C features Netherlands and Sweden. Um, That'll be a good one. Serena Wiegmann, though, of course, England's manager is the current Euro holder, isn't she? So we come into it with all the credentials. And Jenna, this is really important too. Nadine Kessler, the the chief of women's football at UEFA, um, has set the standard for this tournament and has basically said she expects, in other words, please make sure that this is done, uh, that this is the first tournament in which teams all travel business class, have single rooms and high standard pitches. Well, we know the high standard pitches, we can definitely look after that. But those other elements as well, you know, again, super important when it comes to uh, progressing, moving the women's game forward. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's frustrating that it's taken so long to, to get here. But, you know, each year the women's game is growing and growing and growing. And this is just another step as well. And it's what the players, are, the management, it's what everybody deserves in the game. So, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a lovely statement to hear before the match. And let's hope everyone takes it on board. I already have this feeling it's going to be a Serena Wiegmann final in terms of England against Holland. Just going to really? put that out there yeah. now. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something about it being in this country as well and now her being England manager. Yeah, things tend to follow managers around like that, don't they? You can stream the biggest moments of the Women's Super League with now. Watch all the live Sky Sports action from Boreham Wood this weekend as on Sunday we bring you the London derby between Arsenal and West Ham. For just 9 99 grab a Now Sports Day membership and find out if the Hammers can cause another big shock this season. To find out more, search Now Sports or visit nowtv.com. You are listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Now. Joining myself, Lindsay Hooper, it's Kate Borsay and former Spurs legend Jenna Scalacci. And in other news this week, it's taken us this long to get to this bit of news, but it was huge. Everton have a new manager. They've appointed former Lyon manager Jean-Luc Vasseur on a two and a half year deal, uh, replacing Willie Kirk, who was sacked a couple of weeks ago. They took a bit of time over this one, Jen, but what they've got in Vasseur is someone who's won the treble in 2019-20 season. He had the Champions League 2019 with Lyon, didn't he? So what do you think he will bring? We know he's a proven winner, but he's not managed abroad yet. At the beginning of the season, Everton, you know, made it very clear that they, they want to start winning. Um, unfortunately, Willie Kirk and the Everton team got off to a bit of a rough start. But in their new manager, he's a proven winner. Um, obviously, the WSL is a, a completely different um, league. However, he he has one thing, you know, and he's, he's, he's got that big game experience. Um, he's worked within the women's game in France, um, you know, and I think his, his DNA... They've spoke about it and, and he wants to play attacking football, which is what Everton want. So I think it's a good match and an exciting time for Everton. And I think it's, you know, it was needed. They needed a bit of a bit of a change there after the start they got, although they did have a very tough start in their defence. You know, credit to Everton because their ambition certainly hasn't been curtailed, has it, by a poor start to the season. And I admire them hugely for this. What a great name to bring into the WSL. Great for Everton too. In fact, their sporting and commercial director, Savar Ismailov, which who is a big supporter of the game, and Willie Kirk had talked about all the investment at the club uh, in his time there, basically said, said that we wanted a proven match winner. He's won numerous titles. We also wanted someone with DNA, which matches our club, someone with an attacking vision, who fights until the end. This is this is a great signing for Everton. And actually we should all feel feel perhaps a little bit assured that even though they've had this shaky start to the season, the vision at the club is still the same. They're still very ambitious. You know, Jenna, it's exciting, really interested to see what he's going to do with this Everton side. Izzy Christiansen, of course, has played with him at Lyon before, but he's got Gauvin, he's got some fantastic players there at his disposal. Yeah, so, I mean, the Everton team on paper deserve to be doing better than they've done. You know, the quality signings over the summer, I think everyone had really, really high hopes of them at the beginning of the season and were disappointed with the game, the way they came out in that first match. They really were quite un underwhelming. And I think the quality of players that they've got, good young players, you know, they've got the Benison in there, you've got experience with Tony Duggan, Christensen. I think it, it's exciting time. And, you know, with new managers, brings new ideas. And, and like you say, he's... He's unknown to us um, and it puts the WSL on the map again further with the in, in France and hopefully we'll see some 
quality French players coming over. His very first game is against Leicester in the League Cup. I'm going to be doing updates on Sky Soccer Special from that. I can't wait to speak to him after and just see what his impression of this Everton team is. Have you got your best French ready, Hoops? <laughs> yeah, I might just <laughs> have some Rosetta Stone on in the car on the way up. Um, but yeah, his first WSL game is going to be this weekend. Um, and I think that the next two actually are real key games for Everton. They've got Brighton, who we know defensively are very sound, and that's this weekend. And then after that, they've got Manchester United. It's, I think it's a big fortnight ahead for Everton. Well, speaking of the WSL, it is back this weekend. Uh, just to recap where we're at then, the order of the table right now from top to bottom. <laughs> are you ready? Duh, 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 <laughs> duh, duh, duh. Uh, so Arsenal at the top, Chelsea and Spurs uh, then after them. Just behind them, Manchester United, Brighton, West Ham, Aston Villa and Everton. And in the bottom half of the table, we've got Man City. Still can't believe that, but there we go. Uh, Reading, Birmingham City and Leicester City. One club who will be looking to turn their fortunes around is going to be Reading. They're 10th right now. And after finishing 7th and 5th in the previous two campaigns, you'd think with the purchases they made over the summer that they will be wanting to improve on the current position. Um, Natasha Dowie is one of the experienced players that was bought in. She won the WSL twice with Liverpool, the FA Cup with Everton, and then went away for five years playing in America, Sweden, Norway, Italy and Australia. And she won the W League there as well. So if we talk about proven winners we have one in the Reading team producer Sophie caught up with Natasha to see what's been going on at Reading lately thank you so much for coming on the show we're really excited to have you oh thanks for having me welcome back to the WSL I mean five years later how does it feel to be back and and how much has it changed yeah it's great to be back it feels like a lot longer than five years to be honest um but no, lovely, lovely to have my friends and family in the crowd again watching me play. And like you said, just great to see how the league has developed. You know, I think the standards all over the world in women's football has improved, not just in England. So I think having obviously played in six different countries, I've seen that growth. But yeah, for sure, with the, the Sky deals and, you know, the kind of media deals that have happened in England and how much the game is being televised now, I think that's definitely something that I have seen a massive, you know, growth in and an improvement in. Um, and for sure, the players that have come over to England now, internationals, top internationals from all across the world, you know, everyone wants to come and play in England now. So it's great to be, you know, putting yourself up against, like you said, some of the best players in the world. And, you know, I, I feel like I've developed as a player as well over the last five or six years. So I feel good. The first couple of games that I've been involved in, um, I feel as if I've made a good account of myself and, you know, obviously want to help the team uh, be even more successful. But nice to obviously get my first goal for Reading and, and hopefully this is just the beginning. We can we can keep pushing on and improving this season. You've played in so many clubs and setups all over the world. So I think if you say it, it must be true. Is it the best league, the WSL, or is there something it can learn from the other leagues? It's hard because... Probably the the pace of the game, you know, the kind of power, the strength. I think it has it all. I think with England, I'd probably say, what, what could improve? Um, it's a really good question. Do you know what? The, I'd probably say the one thing with England, maybe at the moment, is you do have the Chelsea's, the Cities, the Arsenal's. And sometimes the games can be quite um, high scoring. Whereas maybe in the other leagues that I've played in, 
for instance, Italy, uh, Milan, we were the top two with Juventus, but we would play, let's say, a Napoli who were down the bottom. It would only be a one-nil win. So the from right from top to bottom, it was very competitive. Same in America, same in Norway, same in Sweden. So I'd probably say that's the only thing with England is I feel maybe the top one or two teams on their day you know, could beat teams in this league, maybe four or five nil. Um, so I'd quite like to see maybe, you know, the league from bottom to top, maybe try to become a little bit more competitive and not have, you know, every year your Chelsea's, your Arsenal's, your cities. But that's also tough because we obviously know the kind of money and backing that they have there. So I'm not sure that will ever change. But yeah, probably apart from that, you know, yeah, I would definitely say the league is the strongest I've ever played in. You're back in the UK now in that league and you were nominated for October goal of the month for your wonder goal against Aston Villa. Talk us through that goal. (laughs) It's funny because I've scored a couple of nice goals from outside the box in my career, but I've always really been known as, uh, I guess, a fox in the box. Most of my goals come from inside the penalty area. Um, Actually sitting down with Phil before the season and he was looking at my stats from Milan And pretty much, I think I'd only scored one or two goals from outside the area last year. All the rest were headers or inside the box. So that was actually something that I've been trying to work on in pre-season is my strikes from outside the area and being more confident to take shots on. So when it happens, you know, it's funny. Sometimes those type of goals, the best goals are when you just don't even think. Um, And I think that's, you know, you just instinctively just hit it. And I just literally remember D slipping me through. And at the time, I didn't actually even notice or realise if there was too many defenders on me or not. But I just thought, Joe, you know what, just hit it. And yeah, I mean, I just literally, when I saw it going into the net, it just felt great. You know, when you catch a shot like that and you and you strike a ball as clean as that and really, you know, the, the keeper didn't really have much of a chance. I feel like the power of the shot was, you know, pretty strong. And it was just incredible to have my dad and my sister there, my little niece. Um, they haven't watched me play in you know, God, so five or six years. So it was just lovely to have them there. And obviously my partner, Becky, who travels everywhere with me. So yeah, really special moment. And more importantly, you know, the three nil win and our first victory just made it even more special. That three nil victory, I guess, was key going into the international break. But before then, Reading have had one win, four losses so far this season, 10th from the table. I wonder how that's been for you as a winner and a goal scorer. You were the WSL and W League Golden Boot winner. How has that felt for you? For me, the most important thing about coming back to England was enjoying my football again and being happy in an environment where I felt that I was improving and I was really, you know, I guess, respected and also, you know, felt as if I had you know, a big role to play in the team. And I feel that my role at Reading has definitely changed. I want to become definitely more of a leader and I am here to score goals. And I think the team has a lot of potential. There are a lot of new faces and, you know, like any team, it's it's not going to just click overnight. But I think in a lot of games, you've seen the signs and against obviously Aston Villa, it just all came, um, you know, it just all clicked. So, yeah, for me, I'm happy, you know, and I'm going to keep working hard, keep trying to help the team as much as I can. Um, And then, uh, you know, I know that then when I get that chance in front of goal, um, hopefully I'll put it away, which is what I've always done um, and what I'm going to continue to do. What do you think the key issue has been for Reading? Is it the change of of personnel? what, What are you focusing on changing now going into the next games up till Christmas? We haven't made teams work for their goals. We've 
you know, the goals that we've conceded have been very basic and and not good enough at this level because you're going to get punished against teams, you know, um, in this league if you give away uh, cheap goals like that. Um, and then I think we weren't really creating as much up front as what we were hoping um, in the first few games and we changed formation um, and that seemed to then, you know, against Aston Villa work for us and, and we definitely created uh, more opportunities in front of goal. So I think, yeah, for us, it's about one being tighter in defence collectively as a team and ma- making sure we take pride in, you know, trying to have clean sheets. And then it's down to then us to try and create more opportunities for myself and, and the forwards up front to then, you know, put the ball in the back of the net. So I think going to Birmingham away uh, next, it's going to be tough. They're in and around, you know, kind of that that type of the table, uh, bottom to middle of the table. So it's going to be tough away from home. And they've been similar to us. They've actually had some really good performances, but have just been unlucky, um, you know, results wise. So it's not going to be an easy game at all. Um, so it's one that, you know, we basically it's a must win, you know, simple as like the, the next three or four games for us going into the international break are must wins because then after that, you know, we have the Chelsea's, the Man City's, which are going to be a lot tougher uh, to pick up points from. So, yeah, that's our focus. Great. Well, best of luck for the rest of the season. Thank you so much. for oh, speaking Thank to you. Us. Thank Thanks you. for talking to me. That was producer Sophie talking to Reading's Natasha Dowie. Well, aside from Reading's trip to Birmingham this weekend, we've got Arsenal up against West Ham, the battle of third and fourth as Spurs face Manchester United, and potentially scary returns. I like the Halloween theme here sort of keeping uh, keeping in check. Uh, so potentially scary returns for Aston Villa and Leicester City who take on Chelsea and Manchester City. It's going to be a tasty weekend. Let's talk about Spurs then up against Manchester United, Jenna. Yeah, I think, um, I'm really excited for this fixture. I think in past seasons, um, ever since Tottenham and Man United you know, got promoted into the WSL, I think Manchester United kicked on a bit quicker than Tottenham. However, I think this season Tottenham are really closing that gap and, and they look like a, a completely different setup. They're a lot more organised. They're, they're so hard to beat now. So I, I, I think this will be a real test for them to see how far they have come. I think nicking those points off of Man City in the manner that they did, I think that would have brought a, a huge mentality shift to the players to know that they can beat the top teams now. They can take points off the top team and they want to be knocking on the door of the top four. So I think this is going to be a massive, massive fixture for yeah. them see how far they have come. And they've got to, you know, repeat that feat, haven't they? Their other league yeah. wins are against Birmingham, Reading and Leicester, who, of course, we've talked about sitting near the bottom of the table. So this is a chance for Spurs to sort of lay their ambitions out. What other games are we keeping an eye on? Well, look, the Manchester City fixture, of course, is one to have a look at. They play Leicester, they're away to Leicester. And, you know, could this be the time when Manchester City, you know, turn it around? Uh, I say again, because, of course, they had a hint of that before, but that defeat in the FA Cup semi finals sort of spun them out again I wonder going into this weekend Jenna when you've had a break like the international one and it's upset that flow in the league a little bit because of how lengthy it's been whether this is a weekend where you can expect some surprises in terms of results and if you're a team that's I don't know fifth sixth in the table down are you thinking this is one where we might catch people sleeping a little bit yeah absolutely I I think you know teams in the the top half of the table, they may lose players over that international break. You know, they've got players going off to play for their country. Whereas, you know, teams lower down, they don't lose as many people. They have that time on the pitch uh, to work on plans for the next um, 
the next match. So definitely, I think there could be some shocks uh, within these the fixtures this weekend. I think, you know, Leicester City, I think Man City, that they have to bounce back. They have to have an answer now against Leicester City. But Leicester City will would have been doing their homework and they will be well aware of, of the state that Man City is in and they will look to to put them under pressure from from the off. And, you know, like I said, they, they've had the... I don't think they've lost many players due to international duty, so they've had more time together on the pitch to work together. The feature game on Sky this week is Arsenal against West Ham on Sunday evening, 6.45 kick-off that one, and we'll have the build-up from 6.30. Interesting that Lisa Evans will not be playing against her former club. She's a lone player, so she won't be able to play against them. And West Ham, they have looked in parts like they're starting to find a real identity now. Yeah, I think the last couple of seasons, you know, they've really struggled in the league. They've been in and around those relegation spots. Whereas this season, I think they've brought in some good signings. The team looks a lot more together on the pitch. And yeah, they've, they've been doing well. They've had some good results this season and like dug out results when normally they would have lost them. Well, that win against Manchester City as well, Jenna, you know, for them, that was that was a super result for them. Wins against Leicester as well, draw against Birmingham, draw against Villa. So, yeah, they've they have certainly turned it around. I, I have to say, though, Linz, um, I think you're going to be looking at an Arsenal victory. It's a late, late Sunday night kickoff. It is, yes. Uh, one other word of note for Saturday's games. I think we should have a Lauren James watch and we should start it from this podcast going forwards because (laughs) everyone wants to see since that big money move from Manchester United in the summer we've not really seen anything of Lauren in a in a blue Chelsea shirt yet she's been recovering from an injury but could this be the weekend Jenna when we get to see some of her I hope so I'm a big fan of her I played against her um many times and it's been an absolute nightmare every single time she's so she's so talented and yeah I think everyone's been waiting for, for this moment. It's great to see her back in the squad at the at the weekend. So, yeah, hopefully we see her this weekend. And, you know, I, I think she's a great, a great, great player. She's so talented and she's got a bright future ahead of her for club and country. We should just start shouting, we want Lauren James. <laughs> um, she was she was named as a sub against City in that FA Cup semi-final at the weekend. Not used. All though. the signals uh, are there, Kate. She's oh, coming, it's coming. The build up, the build up. Um, Penilla Harder as well, just a quick, a quick note for Chelsea. She hadn't recovered from a sore, sore quad uh, last weekend. So uh, let's see where she's at for this weekend. Lots of exciting games coming up this month. What's everyone most excited to see? Let me give you some options. Jenna, you can pick one of these. Arsenal uh, versus West Ham. Well, we've spoken about that this Sunday. So Everton, Manchester United on Sunday, 14th of November. On the same day, City, Manchester City take on Chelsea. And Saturday, the 20th of November, Manchester City take on Aston Villa. It's got to be the Man City-Chelsea one, isn't it? But I think Chelsea will have the edge still. I can't imagine Man City will have many players back by that time. Uh, but, you know, it's it just, just you just feel that the gap is so big now at the moment for Man City. Um, another one I had my eye on, which is going to be the Tottenham Arsenal one mm-hmm. uh, next weekend. Tottenham yeah, nice Arsenal little London picture. derby there. I'm struggling to see past Everton Manchester United, actually, guys. This is one that I think all I should be on in terms of that final Champions League place. Two teams that could push on. We'll have Jean-Luc Vasseur will have been in the in the game by a couple of weeks then, by Sunday the 14th of November. I'm sure he'll start to get the tune that he wants to see out of the players. And equally, Mark Skinner, just before the break, we'd seen that he'd started to get the reaction from his team, the work ethic, the the fitness rates of Manchester United, I thought, have, have moved on again. So I think it could be a real jewel, this one. 
Well, before the WSL kicks off, there's also midweek Continental League Cup action. It'll be Vasseur's first game in charge of Everton as they take on Leicester City on Wednesday. At Burton Albion, that one is. That's the one mm-hmm. I'm at. Um, Sheffield United play Liverpool that evening as well. Uh, Manchester City then face top of the championship table, Durham, on Thursday, uh, which would be an interesting tie if it didn't go Manchester City's way, oh, followed gosh. by Blackburn ladies against Sunderland ladies. All right, well, that's all we've got time for on this week's edition of the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Don't forget you can find us at Offside Rule Pod. Also check out the Athletic UK as well. Plenty of content on both sites. Lots of good interviews to get your chops round. Thanks to everyone for being involved. Jenna, thank you so much to you as well. What's your focus on for the next couple of weeks? I'm actually doing a bit of punditry and, and co-com. So I'm working the Tottenham match this Sunday. Tottenham Man- Manchester United so I'm excited for that it's, it's nice to go as a fan now and not have to have the pressure <laughs> you still got to make sure fan, the stats are all uh, there as you're though. a pundit Jenna <laughs> you're not the fan surely come on it's a different, it's a different kind of pressure <laughs> so now I'm looking forward to that and it, yeah just it's, it's nice just to be a fan of the game now I'm, I'm enjoying it and have you got anything happening with your academy players coming up Sunday they have a fixture against Reading got a league cup fixture then they're away to Everton and the league there the, I mean the talent coming through these academies the girls are just on give the, us a name the, give us someone to look out for I love it someone to look out for from Tottenham I would go with Izzy Lane and Scarlett Williams they're they're 16 year olds but they're they're fantastic you know that they're, they're like professionals already Blimey. um just really confident young ladies that are, are great people on and off the pitch so they're my two to look out for in the future There you go. You've heard it here first. Those are the ones to watch. Well, that's it from us then today. Jenna, thank you so much. Great to speak to you. Uh, Lindsay, we will speak again very soon. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. The Athletic.